Well, good morning, guys. My name's Mike. I'm the, uh, the lead pastor here at, at uh, the Brigham City Campus. And, and right from the, the get-go, I just want to reiterate that announcement about um, the kids' church training that's coming up after the services to, today. And just kind of remind you that, you know, if you have kids in kids' church, um, whoever is back there teaching them today probably felt intimidated about doing so at one point in their life, at one point in, in their walk as well. Um, but, but they saw the need and they stepped out in faith. And that's all we're asking you to do in, in coming to this training today. It's, it's not a commitment that you have to agree to, to you know, go serve in kids' church you know, so many times or, or anything. I just want, we just want you to come and listen and, and hear why kids' church is important and how uh, you are qualified to, to be a, um, uh, somebody that can help there. But anyway, so we're going to get into uh, today's, into, uh, today's message um, titled Taxes for Caesar. Now, I kind of, you know, I, I, I enjoy um, the topic of this message today because Megan and I have, um, we've had some few, a few good laughs uh, at, at our son Danny's uh, reaction, right, to his enlightenment to the concept of, of paying taxes. Um, you know, he's 16, and, and so this is kind of a new thing for, actually this week, it was, it was gas prices that he was uh, opinionated about, but usually it's taxes. And, you know, many of you guys probably have uh, had conversations with your teenage kids after their first couple of, of paychecks as they come to the realization that someone thousands of miles away is, is seizing money from their paychecks to spend on things that they don't necessarily uh, think are worth spending their hard-earned money on. Um, they start to, to pay attention to it, right? They start taking taxes seriously. So I want to I want to ask a, a pointed question here, knowing full well that it might make some of you squirm in your seats. Um, but do you take taxes more seriously than tithing? Now, that's gross, right? Like taxes and tithing both being discussed at the same time. Um, <laughs> no, I know. Now you're laughing, right? Because you're like, you didn't want to be the only one. But um, this, this passage today isn't necessarily about taxes or about tithing per se, but, but that is the medium that God chose in his infant wisdom to, to use in, in bringing this very important lesson to us. So we're going to look at the, at the text, um, and it's a short passage today. The, the, the primary text that we are in today, uh, Mark 12, 13 through 17, it's only five, it's only five uh, verses today, um, so let's get right at it, in, in starting off in, in verse 13. It says, Later, the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? So, uh, this is, you know, this is an obvious attempt to, to schmooze Jesus here, to, to butter him up before they try to trick him, right? I mean, I, they are, they're telling the truth about him. The things that they say, those are, those are accurate, but they don't believe it, right? So continuing on in, in uh, verse 15, it says, Jesus saw through their hypocrisy 
and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. All right, so a little context here as, as, uh, you know, as we get into this tax question. So the Pharisees, um, as we've seen many times throughout this study of, of Mark, are a, a group of Jewish religious leaders. Right? And they are, are they're very powerful in the community, um, and they're, they're very opinionated. Uh, they reject and they despise the occupation and the, and the rule of the, the Romans, right? These guys, they, they know that Israel is God's chosen people, so they, they bristle at the idea of being uh, subservient to another culture. So paying taxes to them is, is akin to recognizing Roman authority in their lives, which is something that, that they simply don't want to do. Now, the, the Herodians, the other group that's mentioned in this text, are a uh, more secular group. Um, they're supporters of Herod Antipas, uh, who was a, a Jewish civil ruler, who's like a, uh, like a mayor or a regional king kind of thing, who, who uh, Antipas um, was a supporter of Roman occupation. Um, he was a foolish, unprincipled man who was willing to do anything to promote his own worldly happiness or to, to, to pr- promote um, his own well-being. And his followers are, are the same. Okay, they, they have the same kind of uh, uh, an attitude. They're flatly against these stuffy, restrictive uh, rules of the Pharisees. Now, generally, these two groups wouldn't agree on much, right? Um, in fact, they're, they're usually on the opposite sides of issues in, in a lot of ways, like modern-day Democrats and Republicans, right? Or, or maybe sort of the, the conservative Christian and progressive Christian titles that we sometimes like to brand ourselves within the church. Each primarily identifies with their adjective rather than the the noun. Each genuinely sees themselves as the good guys and is passionate about their own interests. And neither are actually as passionate about God's interests. So here we see that these these opposing groups um, have been teamed up and sent to oppose Jesus. Finally, a, a cause worth uniting the, the parties, right? Um, and at play here is the issue of, of taxes. Now, uh, the text mentions something that's, 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 that's called a poll tax, which is basically a tax of one day's wage applied to men 20 years of age or older who are subject to the Roman Empire. And most of these guys, they believe that this was like a badge of slavery, okay? Just, just the idea of paying taxes to the, to the, the, the Roman emperor or the, or the empire, and I don't think that it's too hard for most of us to understand the opposition that uh, most Jews had to paying a, a, a Roman tax, right? Um, although I think a lot of us would love the idea of going back to a place where we only pay one day's wage in taxes, right? Here in this article called A Life of Tax, What Will Americans Pay in Tax Over Their Lifetime? Um, it says that the average American taxpayer will spend 33% of lifetime earnings on taxes, right? And, and uh, the average earnings of a million and a half dollars, we will pay about $532,000 uh, on average, each of us. In New Jersey, they pay the most lifetime taxes, 1.1 million. Wyoming, they pay the least at 338,000. Utah's a little bit 
below the, the national average at 486,000. The US government collected almost $5 trillion in taxes in 2022, right? So many of us can have some, some opposition to paying taxes. But in the text, these two opposing factions um, can finally find common ground here in opposing Jesus. And they come up with what they really think is a doozy of a, of a question here to, to hit him with, because from their perspective, there, there really are only two sides of this issue that somebody can fall on, the man-made secular rules or the man-made religious rules. But Jesus responds with a, a question of his own when he says, why are you trying to, to trap me? And as we've seen throughout Jesus' ministry, he He's refocusing these religious leaders on his heart, right, rather than what they think they know about the law. And I still think that, uh, you know, that, that this is needed today. Um, I think, you know, we try to butter God up with our outward deeds and convince him that we are better or more deserving of his, of his blessings than we actually are. But as we grow closer to him, as we dig into God's word, we are painfully enlightened to reality. In Hebrews 4, uh, verses 12 and 13, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, as, so as we mature, we run smack into the, the face of, of, of this truth here, that God does know who we are in our hearts and that there is no way to, to, uh, uh, to, to hide that from him. In fact, um, Jesus goes deeper still in his profound response in, uh, in this passage that we're, that we're looking at, right, in those, in those, uh, those verses here. Um, they ask if they should or shouldn't pay taxes, and, and Jesus says, show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. And when they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Now, notice that Jesus doesn't pull a, a, a coin from, from his own pocket here, right? And that's not because he's a, a cheapskate. He, he absolutely is not. Um, he wasn't about to fall into their trap, and he called that question that they, that they forwarded to him, they, he called it hypocrisy, and he tells them to produce a coin, which they do, and in showing one to Jesus, they had already answered their own question. By using Caesar's coin system, they were tacitly acknowledging Caesar's authority and thus their obligation to pay the tax. So Jesus' answer was profound, right? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what belongs to God. And that Roman coin bore the image of the emperor, but the human being bears the image of God. So at face value, Jesus is addressing taxes here, um, and he clearly does not make the case for us refusing to pay taxes. He's calling us to recognize and submit to those authorities in place over us in our lives. In Romans 13, verses 1 through 2, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except from God, and, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, guys, I struggle with this passage. This is probably the hardest passage in all of God's word for me personally. Um, our governing authorities rarely seem worthy of my respect. More often than that, uh, more often than not, their, their governance runs at odds with my heart. Um, but the yardstick of submission to those governing authorities has nothing to do with whether or not they are at odds with my heart. It has everything to do with whether or not they are at odds with God's heart. And how better can you know God's heart than to be disciplined in reading his word? Disciplined in, in the intentional prayer life and disciplined through your involvement with his, his body of believers. And he tells us to do those things throughout the gospel over and over again. See, it's perfectly responsible and acceptable for us to recognize where those governing authorities run afoul of God's word and then to resist that authority. But only to the end and, and for the purpose that brings us into submission to God and his will. Now, not the, the least interesting aspect of, God's, of, of Jesus' brilliant response is that he doesn't stop at that question that they, that they asked him, but he, but he goes on and he makes clear that duty to Caesar is surpassed by duty to God. So, with that in mind, I think that it's worth noting here before we leave the, the topic of taxes to discuss what to do when we believe that the way our taxes are spent is, is being a poor steward of our finances. Let's look at uh, some places where our taxes have been spent. This is from uh, a study that Reader's Digest uh, produced. It was, but there was $630,000 spent to increase likes for State Department social media accounts, because that's important. 914000 to research romance novels. <laughs> you know, 284000 for for record executives to travel to Rio de Janeiro so they could study customers' facial expressions when they purchased the album that they just produced. $384,989 to study duck reproductive organs. So many jokes. <laughs> so... Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, Mike. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. <laughs> 200, I'm talking to you. <laughs> $297 million on a blimp that was too heavy to fly. So, <laughs> the, I mean, there's some un, unwise expenditures right here, but it isn't just the unwise spending that, that, that we're dealing with. Because from the bottom of my heart, I believe that our reckless national spending on morally reprehensible projects and policies goes directly in the face of what we are called to do biblically. Now, a moment of, of transparency here. Uh, I'll be honest. It is my goal to pay as little in the way of state and federal taxes as I legally can. Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to... 
I, I don't want to spend money on the very things that I vote against or sign petitions against or march around the state capitol holding a sign against. More to the point, I don't want to be complicit in funding the things that I believe that God expressly forbids us to do. But the supreme law of our land, the U.S. Constitution, makes the collection of taxes a very real law, a very uh, legal law. So we are biblically bound to pay our appropriate taxes. But our, ta our tax laws also give us every opportunity to exercise significant control over the use of our money. They, uh, they allow us to avoid paying uh, some taxes by giving money to the places that we do want it to go. This is in our documents. This is an, a, an appropriate thing that, that our government has done. They have intentionally made it so that, you, that if you prefer to give financially to appropriate charities, nonprofits, churches, um, that that giving can be deducted from your taxable income. Now, we, we don't just give, we don't give just to avoid paying taxes altogether though, okay? Um, but to be responsible stewards of our financial blessings. But to be fully responsible, you need to know where even that charity or that church is spending the money, right? So for Megan and I, um, our monthly giving, uh, well, we have it set up to come out uh, you know, every, every week, um, but our giving is our top financial priority. Okay, that is the most ex important expenditure um, that we have. That means if, if times get tough, it's important that we give that before we go spending it on the things we, that we like and want and, and, you know, feel that we need. And although we give to other ministries and, and, and charities, the ministry of our local church body is where the majority of our giving goes. Now, I'll just tell you here at, at Alpine Church, we are fully transparent with our finances. Um, Alpine Church is, is certified through an organization called the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, which is uh, this independent organization that verifies that churches meet the, the highest standards of transparency and integrity. And if you ever go to the, the give button on alpinechurch.org, you can find this information so that you can do your due diligence to make sure that that is the, the case. Also, just so you know, next week, Alpine Church has a, their annual business meeting on the 15th um, because as an organization, we want you to know that we fully intend to be good stewards of the money that you generously give to promote God's kingdom. And guys, why wouldn't we give to God first? In Colossians 1, Paul, as he's talking about Jesus, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. See, God loved us so much that he gave the firstborn of all creation to redeem us, to, to die on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. We should desire to give back to him first. And in, in 1 Corinthians, we're told to set aside financial support for the local church first before anything that we do. Not because money is important, okay? Pay attention here. Not because 
money is important. This is, this is similar to the discipline of getting into God's word first thing in the morning or going to God with prayer first thing in the morning. It's a discipline. It's, it's a demonstration primarily to God, but, but also to those that are under our witness that God is the priority of our lives. Now, see, as we, as we continue on here, though, his response about the validity of taxes has, like I said before, it's not the only brilliant thing about Jesus, um, about his response here. He asks him whose, whose image is, is on the coin, right? So it's, it's in this response that he demonstrates that it is actually God who has ultimate authority. The Roman coin, uh, it, it, it bore the image of, of Caesar, but the human being bears the image of God. In, in Genesis 1, uh, I've only got 27 up there, but let me read 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So in our text, Jesus is saying, if a coin bears Caesar's image, give it to Caesar. But humanity, which bears God's image, belongs to God. He, he's saying Caesar has a legitimate claim, but so does God. Give to each his rightful claim. And obedience to God does not negate our obedience to the state. Jesus does not say, though, that the claims of God and the claims of the state are the same. He clearly has explained that God is the ultimate authority. In Colossians 1.16, we just saw verse 15 a minute ago. But in 16 it says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So what does that mean for our lives? It means that we must submit the totality of our lives to God. Our time, our finances, our preferences, our will, our comfort, even our deeply held opinions, we, we submit to God's heart. Most of all, we need to submit and surrender our sinful hearts. All things are created for his glory, right? All of those things belong to him. He has ultimate authority. Guys, this is the case whether we recognize it or not. Just like the, the, the Pharisees that we just talked about a few minutes ago submitting to the authority of Caesar simply by using a monetary system, even if they didn't want to. Now, last week uh, when Austin was up here, um, he asked, uh, he said, who here likes authority, right? And there were one or two nerds in here that, that raised their hands. I saw you. I saw you, but mostly we, we collectively shook our heads. Uh, the simple reality um, is that our human nature is one that is rebellious at, at heart. Um, our nation was born out of rebellion, 
right? And we celebrate that all the time. Megan and I uh, have decided that, that we're going to plan a trip to Scotland in a few years, and it's, it's Scotland's uh, history of freedom and rebellion that, that draws us to it, admittedly. Um, the idea of submission and, and, and surrender, it evokes a physiological response from me. Um, at times, that has certainly been the case in my life when it comes to submitting, even to God. And Jesus, Jesus is no dummy. He, he teaches this lesson here through the example of, of taxes and, and, you know, and thereby through the example of money because it hits home with us. It connects with us. Some of us live for our things. Some of us live for our things. We want a bigger house. We want a, a fancy car. We want a 95-inch TV, or we want snowmobiles, or we're chasing the career advancements, or, or the fancy vacation. Um, you know, you could probably take a, a quick glance at, at last month's bank statement to, uh, to find out what the priorities in your life actually are. Um, if someone had no other evidence but our financial records, you think that they would conclude that we have a, a, a heart of gratitude toward the Savior, toward, toward the God of all creation, and that we live for him? Or would they just see that you live for something else, right? That, that you live for those things that I, I just listed off, right? Oh, but we don't want to, to give those things up. We give only after we get what we want. Only after we get our life looking just right. And maybe we even try to find some biblical loopholes to justify wanting so much stuff. Listen, if that sounds like your spouse, feel free to just elbow them right now in the ribs and make sure that they are, that they are listening, right? But of course... Some of us are, are, are just as guilty at, at putting our security in our savings, too, in our long-term investments. And again, we might, you know, cherry-pick some biblical concepts to justify that financial comfort. But our, our savings start to dwindle, and, and, and we're more worried about that than we are in giving to those in need. You know, we're saving for a, a rainy day, right? But we ignore the fact that it's raining right now on someone in need. Make sure and elbow your spouse right, spouse right back if that's them, though, now, right? Like, um, but, but, you know, when, we, when we're focusing on, on the, the security blanket, we, we start to get a little, a little uncomfortable. I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, I mentioned that we're having that, that Alpine business meeting coming up next week. If you go to that, you'll hear that only about 20% of Alpiners give proportionately to their income. Now, this is where, you know, people often start chirping about, all churches want is your money. Guys, that's not the case at all, okay? Our financial giving is an expression of our heart, and therefore it is a significant part of our worship. I'm just simply sharing the message that, that Jesus gave, and he didn't want or need your money. He wants your heart. He wants you to know that you have no other hope in the world than him. But he, he knew how much 
we would defend our money, how it would evoke a, a, a significant response from us, right? But like I said, he wants you to know that you have no other hope in the world than him. He wants you to be genuine in placing your faith completely in him too. But the truth is there's a lot of us who, who find our security in finances. Guys, I get it, okay? The future of our world is uncertain. Um, we've worked hard for a lot of years and, we, and, and felt like we were always behind maybe. And, and we want to be in a place where we can, where we can feel confident and, and comfortable in, in, in you know, what the future looks like. But in our hearts... Do we say, I'm going to be okay because I trust that Jesus will take care of my needs? Or do we say, I'm going to be okay because I've finally reached this place with my finances that I have some breathing room? Fact is, you should give sacrificially. It should hurt. You should give proportionately. You should give consistently. But you should give joyfully. Two, your giving should reflect what you love. Matthew 6, 24, he, he, he tells us that our hearts can't be divided. And it says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So, Earlier, I asked, I said, I said uh, do you take taxes more seriously than tithing? Followers of Jesus should take giving to the kingdom more seriously than giving to the government, not less. But as I mentioned previously, this, this lesson here revolves around a conversation about money and, uh, and about taxes. But the bigger implication here. Please follow me on this. I hope that I'm representing this well. The bigger implication is that we need to give all of our life over to God. Remember that, that verse that we, we mentioned um, a, little bit long, a little bit ago in Colossians 1.16? It said, all things were created through him and for him. That means that all aspects of our lives are for God's use and for his glory. Now, we can get emotional when we, when we sing that song just a little bit ago about, about running to the Father. But guys, we don't want to stop at that emotional release during a song. We want to continue to full submission to His will. You've heard invitations from the stage here about, you know, joining a, a, a small group, right? Because God calls us to fellowship with the body of believers. And you've been invited to mentor someone or, or to, you know, ask for um, a mentor because God calls us to make disciples. You've been invited to come and be baptized and to proclaim publicly that you are God's and that you have placed all of your trust in him. If you're interested in doing that, by the way, if you're interested now in, in being baptized and actually signa signaling to the rest of your church family, I am ready to make God 
the most important thing in my life. If you're interested in that, you've never been baptized, there's a sign-up sheet down at the welcome table to, to go, if you're interested in going to a class to learn more about what, that's, what that entails, right? Again, there, there's no hooks. It's just a class. We just want to inform you. But if you're interested in that, fill that paper out so we know that there's a desire and need to know. Maybe we should do it this way. Do you take anything more seriously than your relationship with God? Guys, forget about taxes. Forget about money. I had to talk about that because that's what Jesus talked about in this, in this message. But what are you making more important than God in your life? Got on uh, Facebook this morning, and my mom's Facebook post hit me with this. And that, that cut deep. Now, it says if our churches had members with this kind of faithfulness and passion, we would change the world in no time. But God's going to change the world, not us. But here's what I want you to focus on this. Imagine if we had this kind of faithfulness and, and, and passion about getting to know God. And I don't, I'm not saying this because I want anybody to feel bad, but our number, numbers will drop on Sundays when there's a snowstorm coming up in a couple of months because, oh, I, you know, I don't want to drive seven blocks in, the, you know, in my four-wheel drive to church because it's cold out. I'll see you at the game, right? These guys didn't care. They, they drove for five hours in that to sit in that for another five hours because this is where our hearts are. Guys, if you have, have something in your life that you can put in, in, in that, that blank of things that you take more seriously than your relationship with God, it is time to give that thing up sacrificially. The things that we, that we make more important than God, those are the things that we value the most. That's hard to say. I've, but let's be honest with ourselves, right? When you leave here, I want you to go through that and say, I spend the majority of my time, my money, my effort, my thought process on these things, not on God. Nothing is more valuable than the relationship we, that we have with the creator of the universe, my friends. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So guys, this morning, you know, let's make sure that, that we not only have a heart to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but that we give to God what is God's. Today's the day. Let's stop holding back and give our lives over in full submission to God. See, if you're, if you're unsure of what that looks like specifically in your life, I, I want you to come up and talk with one of our overseers or one of our ministry leaders after the service today. Today. I want you to come up and I want you to talk with somebody 
to find out what this looks like in your life. Because if we were guaranteed tomorrow, I'd say go home and think about this. But none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us know at what point our opportunity to make this decision is going to run out. We only have our mortal life to make this decision. And there's not a more important decision that any of us will ever make in our lives. And we want to be able to answer those questions for you. I want you to ponder this. It's not about taxes. And it's not about money, despite the fact that I, I talked about that. It is about prioritizing God in your life, starting today. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, uh, I pray, Lord, that hearts break in this room today. Lord, as, as we, we lift off as we list off some of those um, some of those worldly things that we can that we can put in front of our relationship with you, our our jobs, our our, our politics, our um, our money, our financial situation, our, our the things in our life, even our family, Lord, any of these things that we put in front of you, we've made an idol out of God, and we don't want to do that. So, Lord, I ask that you would break hearts in this room today. Lord, that the, that the, the person who, who came in here today and is seeking answers and wants to know you better, Lord, that they, they stop finding excuses, they stop seeking out excuses for not doing that, but today that they understand that they need to submit to your will. Because, God, we know that you are faithful. We know, Lord, that... that you love us, you, you love us so much that you would send your son to die for us because you want us to be in that right relationship with you. So God, please don't let anybody leave this room today without seeking out those answers so that they can make that decision, so that they can, they can make you the God of their life. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come together as that body of believers to lift your name to lift you up in our, in our services and, and now to lift you up in song before we go. God, we thank you so much. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen.